Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Underground. This is a special topical uh, supplement to uh, the last briefing that I did. I wanted to cover a topic that did not make it into the last Intel update, and this requires uh, a lot more explanation than I can push out in the wire, so here we go. On the 13th of July, an announcement was posted on the White House uh, website detailing the actions of President Biden and his activation of military reserve forces for service overseas. Here is the announcement itself, uh, so you can kind of read it at your own pace. But right now, this sort of news story that's kind of getting spun up that I wanted to sort of get ahead of is Joe Biden activating reserve forces for military service in Europe. Now, this is fairly ominous uh, on the face of it, which is, again, why I wanted to get ahead of this, because the way that this is phrased and the units that are being and the personnel that are being activated are very hard to explain. And you might not understand what's going on uh, if you don't have any kind of military experience. So I thought I would take a moment to explain what is actually going on and what we think is going on and what's likely to happen in the future. So as we all know, uh, the military is comprised of different components. We have active duty and we have the reserves. We also have the National Guard, and uh, at least for Texas's uh, sake, we have the State Guard, but we also have the Individual Ready Reserve, the IRR. Normally, most people are just familiar with the first two, the active duty guys and the reservists, and of course the National Guard is kind of its own separate thing. Normally, the reserves are called the Selected Reserve, or CELRES. That's the acronym that we usually go by. And these guys normally go by uh, the, the normal battle rhythm of what your recruiters kind of tell you, right? You join the reserves, and you drill once a month, uh, one weekend a month, you go and uh, go to your unit and, you know, do whatever you do. And uh, a couple of times a year, you may get together for a couple of weeks to do a longer training exercise. That's at least what the recruiters tell you. What they don't also tell you is that most reservists also deploy overseas, uh, either willingly or unwillingly, throughout their career. And this part, the activation of cell res guys to active duty service, this actually happens kind of a lot, or at least when I was in, it was very, very common. It was actually a, basically an unwritten policy that you were supposed to or expected to volunteer for service overseas uh, when you were in the reserves. And if you did not, you would get involuntarily activated back to active duty. But that's a, a bit of a longer story, uh, I suppose. Very simply put... Members of the reserve uh, live a normal, standard life. They're going to college, they have jobs, uh, all kinds of stuff. They're, by and large, civilians for 90% of their life. But they, just like the National Guard, on the weekends sometimes, or whenever they can drill, uh, get together, and now they're uh, they're activated for two days a, a month, right? For the Saturday and Sunday, usually, to, to drill, right? To train and do stuff like that. Interestingly enough, uh, we have also what's called the Individual Ready Reserve, the IRR. Now, even though the word reserve is in the name of this, this really isn't anything more than just a holding status. Someone who is in the IRR does not drill, they do not show up, they have a DD-214, they're not associated hardly at all with the military. Uh, all they have to do is call into a hotline once a year to confirm that they're still alive, or at least that was the requirement uh, when I was in. Think of the IRR as the reserve for the reserve. When the IRR was created, when this idea was, was kind of come up with, uh, this was really a method to prolong military service uh, for people and provide an easier way of snatching people back to active duty service in the event of World War III. Now we kind of see why this is important. Someone activated from the IRR straight to active duty, straight to deploying overseas, is 
extremely, extremely rare. Now, this is again where it gets kind of complicated because you can have a lot of different experiences and a lot of different statistics can be made up to support any argument. Now, for the IRR, usually what happens is that that era, that time period that a person is in the IRR, that gets tacked on to their service contract. For instance, a lot of people have an eight-year service contract. They enlist uh, in the U.S. military or they get commissioned for eight years, but they are either a 4YO or a 6YO, a four-year obligation or a six-year obligation. This applies to both active duty and cell res, uh, e even reservists. You can either serve in the active duty or reserve component for four years, four-year obligation, 4YO, or you can do six years, 6YO. When I was in, 6YO was the most common. However, the last two years or two additional years, actually, were tacked onto those contracts to make that eight years. A lot of dudes, unfortunately, also had a 4YO, but they had four years in the IRR. Again, basically as a way of calling people back to active service, or not even active duty, but calling people back to the reserves just in case World War III broke out. It's a little bit easier to shuffle paperwork to yank somebody from the IRR than it is to institute the draft. So that's why the IRR basically exists. It is like a pre-draft, a way of getting people who just got out of the military back in the military. And it's a dirty trick to get people from the IRR to come back to active service. To illustrate how complicated this is and how the IRR isn't really a reserve status, like it's just an administrative category, right? Here's a little bit of a story. Let's go back to 2003, the surge, right? Iraq, uh, the good old days. Uh, and let's just say someone who has done their obligation, they have served their four years, uh, you know, and they're they're out of the military. They're, they've got their DD-214. They've already, you know, shoved all their uniforms in the back of their closet, and they've got their shadow boxes on the wall, and they're done with military service. They're either in college or doing, you know, having a job or something like that. They're mo they've moved on with their life, and all they have to do is, you know, call in and say, hey, I'm alive, I'm still in the IRR, I guess, and that's it. The times are good, right? Well, they get a call one day saying, hey, we're going to offer you the chance to come back into the reserves uh, so that you can then deploy as a reservist to Iraq for, say, a year, and we'll give you this bonus to do so, and we'll, uh, we'll give you a, a promotion. If somebody were to take that deal, would that be voluntary or involuntary? You know, so would that be pulling somebody from the IRR or would that be a reservist deployment since they're voluntarily coming from the IRR back to reservist status? And then from the reserves, they're getting deployed. Do you see how confusing this can get and how we can uh, use all these nice little statistics that the DOD has on their website uh, to kind of prove any point? Uh, so my, my point in sharing that story is that the mainstream media and the news guys and all a lot of talking heads are going to say, oh, this happens all the time. We've deployed reservists for Bosnia, uh, Kosovo, for Iraq, Afghanistan. And technically, they'd be right. But if you get down into the weeds of it, there are very, very few cases where a person is living their life. They're just not in the military. They're in the IRR. They've got like, they've served their time. They're, they're done with their service and they get pulled from civilian life, not just back into their service branch, but they get pulled back into their service branch to deploy overseas. Do you see how strange this is? People coming from the IRR at all uh, is pretty rare. 
But sometimes it does happen. Um, some people come out of the IRR to the reserves, or they come out of the IRR to active duty again for a special kind of contract, right? For just like one last deployment or something like that. This happens a lot with senior military leadership. I know quite a few uh, senior warrant officers that that actually did this. They were they were retiring, they were getting out, uh, or they were going straight into the IRR, and uh, they were in the IRR and got contacted by either a recruiter or some other kind of official, and they. They worked up some magic paperwork to get them back in uh, to active service, usually with a promotion. We can always find uh, uh, strange or non-standard ways of of this working out. But my bottom line here is this. This is extremely rare. Uh, This does not happen very often at all. I think probably the last time this happened in any sort of numbers was Vietnam. Now, again, we're not talking significant numbers here because this this executive order, or rather executive action, uh, because Biden doesn't need to issue executive orders for the military, uh, is just something that he's ordering as commander-in-chief, right? Uh, This includes the activation of 3,000, no more than 3,000 cell res guys to active service. That part of the order is not out of the ordinary. That's fairly normal for cell res guys, for regular drilling reservists to get yanked to active duty to deploy. That happens all the time. That was the, when I was in, that was the expectation, actually. So, you know, take that for for what it is. But it's the 450 IRR guys, the guys who are just living their lives and they get yanked back in, not just to active duty, but to deploy. Uh, That's a pretty rare thing to happen. So that's why the military community and the veteran community is kind of looking at this saying, what's going on here? Uh, Because this is not really standard. Uh, Yanking somebody from the IRR to deploy to Europe, uh, especially with what's going on, because the implication is, you know, well, we know what's going on in Europe, and this looks an awful lot like, uh, you know, forces are being stood up, and uh, yeah, it doesn't look very good. Now, the $64,000 question that everybody's going to have is, is this a prelude to World War III going hot, or is this a prelude to the U.S. Uh, conducting more uh, deliberate military actions in Europe? Uh, I don't know, but probably not at this phase. Uh, 450 guys getting yanked from their normal civilian lives to go deploy to Europe is pretty garbage. That's a pretty dirty deal. Uh, but 450 guys is not going to make any difference. Uh, we deployed, and we have already deployed, so many more thousands of people to the to UCOM that it's, it's crazy, right? So the force uh, staging is, is really largely already there. I think the more likely explanation of this is that the military is so strapped for personnel that they're quite literally having to pull civilians back into their military service uh, just to fill the seat uh, because they simply don't have enough people. Now again, Biden using break glass in case of World War III policies to do this is concerning. Uh, I'm very concerned. Uh, thankfully, my IRR days are over. But I can tell you that there's a lot of dudes out there in the IRR who have gotten out over the past couple of years for extremely obvious reasons. And they're wondering what's going on with this. I know probably a lot of guard guys and, and uh, you know, cell res guys are probably thinking, okay, does this mean that we're going to be pulled uh, into a different title and we're going to deploy overseas uh, because that can happen and that's happened a lot. A lot of unanswered questions, a lot of a lot more questions than answers with this uh, executive action. And like clockwork, I think it's going to be very easy for the media to either downplay this completely by saying, 
oh, reservers get activated all the time, this is no big deal. And at the same time, it's really easy to fearmonger and say, oh my gosh, they're sending our, you know, uh, sons and daughters to Europe to go die in a conflict over there. Uh, I think the truth is somewhere between those two. I think that this is largely just a personnel action. I think that the personnel shortage in the U.S. military has gotten so bad uh, that they're having to pull civilians back to their jobs in the military. But I also think we need to keep an eye on this uh, very seriously because we know how the Biden regime works. They do something and see if they can get away with it and then they do it again and again and again and then it's normalized. So we don't want to have every month or so we're now yanking dudes from the IRR uh, just to fill seats in Europe. Uh, hopefully just in places like Germany or Poland and not that other nation. Uh, I can't imagine what it would be like uh, to get pulled from your from your day job here in the States to, uh, to deploy to uh, that particular country. But as far as what these people will be doing, there's no telling. Uh, my guess is they're probably going to be pulling people, and they already have pulled people, who uh, are in jobs which are critically undermanned. Uh, so specialist jobs or jobs that require a pretty long training pipeline. Probably not combat MOSs, so that that's uh, at least probably a good sign for now. Uh, but I would definitely be curious as to see what kinds of uh, jobs are being pulled uh, for service in UCOM. Again, we're just swimming in questions at this point. Is this a prelude to more of this kind of thing happening? Is this? Uh, are they going to start... Uh, straight up drafting veterans uh, when they're done with the IRR guys. Uh, I don't know. Uh, is this a prelude to eventually the, the uh, you know no kidding Vietnam style draft coming back? Uh, I don't know, uh, and I doubt it. And good luck making that work. Uh, but the questions are still there, aren't they? Uh, we're now pulling people from their civilian lives uh, to go to Europe, and we know what's happening in Europe right now. And this does not exactly give us good feelings, does it? So we'll definitely keep an eye on this, and we'll see what comes of this. So hopefully uh, that helps explain things. Uh, pulling people from the IRR to active duty to deploy, man, that's that's really rare. You don't see that very often. Uh, the reservists, yeah, a lot of reservists get shafted all the time and get yanked to active duty uh, to deploy overseas uh, involuntarily. That happens a lot, uh, but you know it's it's kind of it's kind of there and it's kind of a, a normal thing, a, a fairly normalized thing, uh, even though the DoD will will probably not admit to that. Uh, it happens quite a lot, but man, pulling the IRR up, you know the DOD's desperate. And desperate for what? You know, it's really hard to say. Um, is this just a, an emergency stopgap to fill desk jobs, or is this staging for more serious stuff down the line? Right now, we can't possibly know. We have to wait and see if this happens again, and we have to wait and see what Congress does about this, because even though Congress would probably agree with this, Congress has to get involved at some point, if I'm not mistaken, and there has to be an explanation given, so that explanation is going to be very telling as to why this is happening, or rather the lies being told will be very telling. So not exactly cheery news, but uh, I hope to, to have uh, shown that this isn't exactly the end of the world just yet. Though we need to be on the lookout for more serious stuff coming down the pipeline. So that's all I have for now. Uh, we'll definitely keep on top of this and uh, continue the updates as, as needed on this particular topic, uh, especially with regards to you know a lot of military assets being more active, like I mentioned in the last brief. This is uh, definitely something to keep an eye on, especially as what's happening on the international stage becomes some pretty serious theater. So thanks again for watching, and we will see you next time. And as always, fight in the shade.